Okay, so 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. Or his commandments. So this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So we'll stop there. Uh, we'll see if we get through, we'll get through these verses, and then we'll see if we continue on to the next part of the chapter. Uh, but before we get in back to, to verse 1, um, you know, it, when, we, when we first started this study... We talked about how John's epistle, or, or these three letters, is really one letter. So it's not like Paul writing to Corinth where he has 1 Corinthians and then later on followed up with another letter. It's, it's one letter all kind of put together, but, but John kind of didn't package it with, with the beginning, uh, the middle, and then ending. He put in 1 John really the main part of his letter was 2 and 3 John kind of being uh, more of an introduction and an ending in itself. So as, as, as he's going through this main part of his, his epistle, we're seeing in this last chapter as he's closing it out, uh, two main themes that we've seen up to this point so far. And, and mainly that's um, accepting faith that Jesus is the Son of God, and, and by extension, becoming children of God through that faith. And then, you know, he's talked about love over and over and over. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. So just keep that in mind as we kind of finish out this chapter. Um, but verse 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Uh, and so I kind of thought, uh, one word that kind of just jumps out immediately is that word born. Right? We kind of see, uh, in this sense, um, kind of two different ways of being born, right? So we have our natural birth, where we have biological siblings, biological parents, but for those who are saved, we also have the spiritual birth. And so I just thought it was interesting because, Nate, we had talked about maybe a few weeks ago how your relationship with your brother as opposed to some of your really good friends and how you deal with, you know, loving your biological brother may be harder sometimes than loving um, spiritual brothers or other people who are children or in the children of God. So what, what are your thoughts on, on verse 1? Yeah, and John's definitely making the point. It starts with faith, 
and then that faith is is made manifest by loving God, and by loving God results in obeying His commandments, and in obeying His commandments, we're loving one another. And so John's kind of beat this up these last five chapters, right? Over and over and over again. And we're going to jump back and just kind of see that. Um, but that's great going back to chapter 3 and making that connection with being a child and, and what that entails. Yeah, any other thoughts? I thought instantly of John, John 3 and where he was having the conversation with Nicodemus. Jesus was about being born from above born again, so mm-hmm. it connected that to me, like, just made me go back and read it a little bit, <coughs> the same thing that you said, it's a, an earthly birth that you can't do again, but it's, you know, so it's not that, it's a spiritual birth. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's also that you can't separate it. If, if it's not one, it's the other, you know, you can't say, I, I believe in God, but I don't know about Christ. Or I believe in Christ, but I don't know about God. It, it, it's a package deal. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's lots of controversy over. Oh, I believe in God, but I just don't know about the whole Jesus piece. Mm-hmm. You, you hear that in the world today. Well, that's the and whole nation of Israel today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, oh no, we believe in God, but Jesus was just a prophet. No, without the one. If, if you don't, they're inseparable. Yeah, that's a great point because even the Muslims believe in Jesus, just not as the Son of God. So that's a great point, Chris, of properly identifying where Jesus falls within the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And we see the entire Trinity in this chapter. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Nate, were you going to say something? Yeah, you can, tying it back to what Pastor had been talking about through First John or through John, if you go to John, 1 John 1, or not 1 John, John 1, verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And it just ties into being born in, into the children, like being born as a child of God. And, you know, we spent the better part of nine weeks in John, John one, you know, <laughs> six through eighteen, mm-hmm. and we're going to carry this idea of blood and water. We're going to see that again here in a few verses. Um, so keep that what what you're saying, and what you brought up, Debbie, with with how he interacted with Nicodemus and and the water and being born again. Uh, it's all good stuff. So in verse 2 it says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. And I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna beat this every week. But but what what verses connect us to what John's saying right there? Where would we go to? Matthew 20 something, 20 22. 22, 22, 30, 37, 30, 32. Before that, yeah. 35, 32, 30. Matt, it, what did you got, Layton? Matthew. Oh, hang on. Stand by. Well, in, in 22, he specifically talks about the two commandments, or the greatest commandment. Stand by. Yep, 22. 
Yeah. I have I have thirty seven through forty is the actual verses where Jesus is talking, mm -hmm. but because before that it's the Pharisees are talking to him. Yeah, which one is the greatest commandment? Yeah, and then he says, "You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind." Mm -hmm. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it: you should love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments hang the law and. The prophets, right? Late. What verses were you? Actually, I think it's uh, Romans thirteen eight through ten. Okay, yeah, you were close. You want to you want to read that? Close to Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Right. What was that? Go go ahead and read that. Read what you got. All right, just one second. Romans thirteen what? Uh, eight eight through uh, ten. It says, um, "Owe nothing to anyone except your obligations to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law." The commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, love does not wrong, does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirement of God's law. Yeah, that's great because that actually gives us ways in which, you know, you can't love somebody if you're committing those things you just read, right? Yeah. But then that also reaches back to the actual law that the Jews were under, um, and, and makes that connecting point with the new law or the new covenant like Pastor Jean preached about um, with, with going from the law to the new covenant. So it, it all kind of connects. That same, that same commandment is also in Mark 12, verse 29. Mm -hmm. So it's repeated more than mm -hmm. just in Matthew. Yeah, and we're going to go to Galatians here in a minute and even see where it's... I mean, it's it's all over the New Testament. It'd be interesting to see. To right, right. It, it'd be interesting to see. And I don't remember if we if we actually counted up to this point, but how many times John uses that word love um, in in First John? I don't know if I have that written down anywhere, but um, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, and he keeps talking about this. And so when we talk about loving our neighbor, right, or or loving others. We can kind of think about that in two different ways. We can think about it in the way of uh, internal kind of way that nobody can can see, right? Except for except for God. So internally, I can I can have my heart in such a position that's either loving or not loving my neighbor, right? And then there's also the external way, which is very easy to see, right? And so. Uh, after we had picked up the snacks for tonight, uh, we were we were driving here, and uh, two people were driving very ridiculously, and I used the word idiot to describe those people. No. Right? And then I tell my kids, no, we shouldn't say those kind of words. But then, then it hit me, what if both of those people, both those drivers are in the body of Christ? If they're children of God, and I am definitely not loving them right now they don't know that they don't see that well, he knows that but god knows that and i'm clearly not living out this commandment to love the children of god right so so we could see this in in different layers and i was just looking at, at uh, john 21 where jesus is 
asking Peter, do you love me? And he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's impossible to do that if you're not loving them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we see this we see this connection and how all this all this flows. Verse 3 it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Uh, Nate, read us Matthew eleven thirty. Stand by. La 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 la. La la. Eleven. Eleven thirty. Oh, what a lengthy verse. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right, so we, we've all heard that verse before, right? Like, like that's, not, that's not nothing new. We might hear Matthew 11.30 and our mind doesn't necessarily go straight to those words, but we've heard that, we know that. Um, but how much do we understand it or live that out? But it's so much better when we are living out His commandments, right? It, it, it just we're in such a better place when we're obedient and and we're in a state of surrender and we're living out those commandments as opposed to when we're in rebellion against those commandments. Whether it's and we're if we're in a state of uh, uh, you know overall, if if we are a child of God and we are saved, then we're not in a permanent state of rebellion, right? But there are times to where we can get into that rebellious behavior or that attitude or your heart is, is in a rebellious state. And, and that is definitely not love, right? And so it's hard to fulfill that first commandment when we're in that rebellious state. And things aren't always easy or not burdensome when we're in that state. I think it also has to do with just how many commandments, like Dr. John said, how many commandments, it might have been Master Pastor Mike, how many commandments they had to follow before. Mm -hmm. And how many was like it? Like the laws, like 600 something. 600, 600 something is correct. <laughs> Can we get more correct? <laughs> yeah, 613. Yeah. Good so it, it went yeah. from 613 to 2. <laughs> Trust is right. Because they all stem from love. Mm -hmm. they all, every, everything we do should be from love, mm -hmm. out of love. I like how Pastor Sean used to have a graphic that he would use about how your neighbor starts with your closest neighbor, and then it goes out from there, like your children and then your extended family, and then and then your neighbors in your neighborhood. So it's, you know, when you think neighbor, a lot of times you're like neighbor. But, I don't even know them. But my first neighbor is him, and then by extension, family members and then people that you interact with. You know, it just, it's all connected, but I just need to remember that one. Interacting with him. Mm -hmm. They're usually the ones we... Because that's the first person I'm going to offend, and he's going to offend me first. The good guy and the ugly. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> he would never. Have you met him? He would never. <laughs> You've not met me, apparently. <laughs> well, it's like that whole idea, if you do what you enjoy, you don't want to gain your life. It goes back to we have a new nature, so like uh, we have two aspects: we have the flesh and we have the regenerative spirit. So uh, you know, when you're living in His Word, reading His Word, and, and you know, praying and stuff, 
doing what you're supposed to is not a list of what you can and can't do. You're doing what you're designed to do. And then as you start getting away from that, you start to see that the flesh takes over, mm -hmm. just not natural for the flesh. Then it becomes burdensome. So it's kind of a litmus test if you're kind of like on the right path and stuff. Sure. Yeah, it's all about which desire are you following or you following? His desires or your desires? Which your desires could be his desires, but like you say, when you go back to the flesh, then, then you're not. Um, verse 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So if we broke down these four, these four verses so far, we've got, we've got number, number one, and that's kind of like the basis of being born again, the, the beginning part of being born again. And then four, you could really look like uh, from the standpoint of that's where the fruit comes. That's where that tangible fruit comes from our faith, which, which produces the outcome of following those commandments and loving God and loving our neighbor. And, and verses two through three kind of sandwiched in there is what does genuine love look like? What does genu genuine love look like? And so, Nate, look up Galatians 5.14, which is just going to give us another reference to uh, the greatest commandment outside of Matthew. For all, <clears throat> for all the law is fulfilled in the one word, even this. You shall, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if... Oh, so, so, in what ways could you tangibly share of loving your neighbor, and, and let's, just, let's just characterize neighbor as anyone who's been born again, is a child of God, a brother and sister of Christ. It could be your husband, it could be your wife, but, but how are some ways that we can actually live out that commandment? Okay, and, and well, wait, that's real broad, though. Give me a... She wants to go where I want to go because she's loving her neighbor. Only when it's convenient for you. Okay, good. So, selflessness. different opinions of how of what love is uh, and after 13 and a half years of marriage we've both realized that neither of us necessarily love the other one in the way that the other one thinks they sh they or how they would receive love mm -hmm. because um, in Carla's words not mine uh, <clears throat> Nate is an emotionless robot and has no and doesn't care about anything well that's not true <laughs> I do care about things uh, <coughs> however I don't display that emotion and I I'm not necessarily super affectionate and the way one of the ways that I am trying to love Carla better is by showing her that affection in a in a way that's not just like hey how are you 
because that's me showing affection, but not in her eyes, right? So learning how to love, and you know, in, in this instance, your spouse better, um, which I think goes back to what he's saying about taking time to, I don't necessarily want to learn how to love better. Not something like, that's not something that I would ever go forth and do on my own, right? Because I'm generally perfect at everything I do, right? Like, you know, so displaying that dying to self and learning how to do things that are more in tune with what your spouse needs Mm-hmm. In my in my case, or my kids, if you will. Good. Any other examples out there anybody would like to share? Seeing a need in someone's life that you have experienced, and then coming alongside them and helping them go through something that mm-hmm. you, which is, you know, could be the loss of a spouse or a mother or. Or just a financial hardship, or um, just not even saying anything, but you're trying to encourage them mm-hmm. through your own experiences. Are you going to say something, Chris? You look like you were gearing up to. He was just thinking. <laughs> there was steam. No, there's no smoke coming out. Of the water. <laughs> there was no smoke. <laughs> I beat her to the There's punch. no no steam. <laughs> the no the steam. steam engine isn't turning right now. Well, the relationship you yes. have with your well, yeah. brother. Okay, well, yeah. but, I look at you perfectly every time. Well, <laughs> but with my youngest brother, he he's being a little bit. Uh, uh, he's an idiot right now, a little bit rebellious. Yeah, just rebellious is probably rebellious is probably decent word. But like, I try to give him wise counsel, but I don't. I don't usually do it in a super good way. Yeah, it's. But I'm like, I'm, what I'm saying is true. You need to listen to me. But I say it in a horrible way. And I just, like, either don't say anything or learn a better way to say it. Because he just does the opposite of what I say. Well, sometimes it's harder for you to give advice to someone that you're that close to because they know you better than, than other people do. So they don't always take that advice because they know you. My mother says I'm bossy. It also doesn't help that he's your younger brother and yeah. doesn't, you know. Well, he's not really listening to anybody right now, but he is. He's more receptive to my older brother. Yeah. 
because they get they're more similar. They didn't hate each other growing up. That's So that that's what I'm working on, I guess. Which I need to get better. But that's loving. that's the the last week we talked about in the end of chapter four where he talks about loving your brother, and Josh brought it up earlier, where I am I am learning to love Josh better and because they didn't come out to Texas, I bought him a plane ticket to come out here so we can spend time together. So this, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Evangelina brought up the point that I am, part of the battle is recognizing that shortcoming. And part of the battle is you recognizing that you probably could talk to Ben in a nicer way. More graceful way. More graceful way for him to receive it. And if you understand that, then knowing is half the battle. Twenty-five percent. I mean, I would. Argue you know what would fix all this? Love God and love others. Well, yes. Yes, but okay. if you got married and then she could speak to him, <laughs> brilliant, Josh. Wow. That's the best advice you have given wow. since you got out of the army, and it's not even close. It's not true. My other, my other brother, who's married, his wife also said. We're not talking about your other brother. Yeah, West. We're not talking about Weston's wife. I digress. Moving on. (laughs) Verse 5 says, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So let's go back. Let's let's try to put put this into into context. What did you just read, Josh? Oh, never mind. Verse 5. Nope. I was reading Galatians, verse 5, but I was very confused. That's going to be way off. Go go back to chapter 2. So verse John, chapter 2. And let's, let's look at verses... 15 through 17 where he says do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of God abides forever and we talked about a reference back to 1.6 when we talked about that 1.6 says if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So going back to chapter 5, verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? So with reading all that, talk to me about this overcoming the world. What's, what's he getting at there? Well, I'm looking at John chapter 16, verse 33, and it says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so we get like an inheritance of victory Absolutely. through Christ. By faith, which is in verse 4. By faith. So again, we're seeing this this qualifier of faith in Jesus as the Son of God to um, from the faith. Then we see that byproduct of love and the commandments lived out through overcoming the things of the world. Going back to chapter 2, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those desires of the flesh, 
back to Christ and his commandment not being burdensome. So it's all kind of connecting, right? Faith in Christ, becoming a child of God, we stop loving the world, and in so we're growing in love for one another. So it's kind of like a... Well, it's also, too, the example that Jesus gave us in that he, he faced a lot of different trials and temptations and things, mm-hmm. and that he, was, he overcame them. So as a child of, of Christ, of God, we should be able to do the same. Mm-hmm. We have that same power. Right. So how are some of the ways we're overcoming the world? Okay. Right now, Bible study. Bible study. Wise counsel. <clears throat> Wise counsel. Yeah. Scripture memorization. Ooh. That's something I struggle with. Memorizing scripture. Right out. <laughs> just needed to throw all that truth out there. Huh? <laughs> Who is really good at memorizing scripture? I know a lot of King James. Would would anybody like to share your favorite verse that you have memorized? Actually. Go ahead, Chris. Mine is Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. That was the first verse that I ever memorized. That verse. I use that as my light verse. Because it's it's his light that shines through me, not mine. Good. Anybody else? Psalm one nineteen eleven, there was a lamp into it, my feet are light into my path. Um, Hebrews eleven one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's no extra credit for saying more than one day. I can quote Psalm 121, Psalm 8, Psalm 1, yeah, lots. But it came from when I was a little girl, and it's going away quickly. Romans 8, 1, King James Version, there's therefore now no, no condemnation to those who are in question. And that works really well for what we're talking about. Oh, yes. But so does the light. Oh, shining, shining, shining light, yeah. Scripture memory is a comfort whenever you're going through stuff, so it's very important. As hard as it is, even just con- um, not necessarily word for word, but thought for thought. Kind of yeah. Just yeah. having the thought, because you've studied it and you know the concept of what it means, can be a comfort when you have something. It'll usually pop in your head when you're not expecting it to. And, so. Yeah, not today. I know, I know how to I know how to reference things. I know where to find them, but memorization, I think that's definitely something I need to uh, spend more time on. To work on. Especially, you know, if I'm in a place where I can't, don't have access to my Bible or something like that, that would be the time to be able to, you know, think, you know, uh, no, not quote it, but meditate meditate on the scripture when I don't have it. Mm Because, you know, even if I can reference or I got the idea, you know, sometimes that might be your flesh kind of twisting some of those ideas so that you can, you know, get what you want in the scripture. But if you got the verbiage memorized in there, you know, you can meditate on the actual verbiage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Takes your mind off your troubles. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like when when Joshua is about to go into the promised land, how God tells him in that first chapter like five different times, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, I'm the Lord your God, and I will go with you wherever you go. The first time he tells him that is in Joshua 1.9, and that's one of my favorite verses, just to remember that. God's with me, not to be afraid, I can overcome this. Joshua yep. 1. Or you, or you take it like uh, uh, with uh, Eve and the snake. She knew basically what she needed to do, but she misquoted. She just little verbiage slip. Yeah. Seems like, oh, is that what he said? Or and then you know. Well, and we I mean, know what happened after that. And now we're here. And the rest is history. Yeah. Well, did she really hear God tell her that, or did God tell Adam that? God told Adam yes. that, and then Adam told so her that. So she, in a way, Adam should have been like, no, this is what God said. Well, that's why. <laughs> right. And that's a great. That's a great. What do you call that? A a something booth? A question booth? A question. A, a information booth question. Information booth question. Give me the headset. Give me the. Give me the video. I want to. You know. For for YouTube, an information booth question is a question that when, and I envision it'll be on the right when you walk into heaven. <laughs> There is a information, and it literally just says information booth, and they hand you a packet of information that you have wanted to know your entire life that is unanswerable here on Earth. I hope that's there. And it's, and it's an information booth question. Like, Don't encourage it. Yeah, and they, they hand it to you, and you're like, you, and you thumb through, and you're like, oh. Are you going to have enough storage uh, for all that? No. Well, in, he in heaven, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll have eternity to read it, so. I was like, I think his yeah. mind is going to be bigger than that. So, no problem. They're going to give him a cart to drag you. <laughs> okay. Thinking about the memory verses again, one of the ones I learned a long time ago because of being military. This is something y'all can use you know, that are still active duty. Because of the language barrier that we we are encompassed around all, all day, every day, I had a a pastor mentor back years ago that told me John 3 17 for God sent not a son to the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so it, every time you hear someone throw out that one particular word you have that to stand on and know you're asking him to do something he already promised he wouldn't Overcoming the world, scripture memorization, and uh, so, so along with the scripture memorization, sometimes I think of you know that movie. I don't know if you guys seen it, but it's what the Book of Eli. Oh, yes. You know how, and it's just like if that were to happen here one day when we're still alive, would we be able to read off the Bible like? Mm -hmm. Will we be able to reproduce it because it's no longer available? We have it with us and then we take it for granted and you know, we just don't dedicate time to memorize or just to say it's too hard or uh, that kind of stuff. But that's what's going to help us to keep going mm -hmm. if we do end up facing things like that. But. Yeah, it's good. I think it's really neat when you watch some of these movies. Uh, we watched we watched a nativity movie, um, and and 
in that movie, there's a scene where um, where Mary goes to visit uh, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is teaching some of the kids uh, just by telling a Bible story of I don't know Deuteronomy or something like that. Let's just say, but but the way they share that and they use that memorization with the children, just thinking back before they did have you know printed out scriptures and how excited they were to retell the story and and how they could recite back. Sometimes the scripture doesn't necessarily come alive just because we read the verses and go through the motion, but to really pull that out of there. Um, I think it's because of how we live nowadays. Like yeah. They actually were going through tough times. And so they had to hold on to that hope and keep keep it going for the next generations. But right now we just live in such comfortable lives that like, do we really need this? Verse 6, it says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. All right, so what words pop out to you guys from that verse? Okay, why is water and blood significant in that verse? What's he getting after there? When he's piercing the side of the the water and the blood co-mingle together, pouring out. Okay. He's talking about the spiritual birth and the physical birth. Okay. He sacrificed the lamb and the washing away. Okay. What else? Yep. So, so we know for a fact that John was there at the crucifixion, right? So, so John was there for for the shedding of that blood, right? And I don't know, I'd have to go read, read, but he was probably there for the baptism too, right? So John saw the baptism of Christ, right? The, the water baptism, and he saw the bloody crucifixion of Christ, both events. So I think he's pulling those back to that, that baptism, that crucifixion, and those are are the two things he's specifically referring to here in this verse. We're going to see here in a minute where it talks about uh, testimony um, and and that kind of legalistic view, but it says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. So we're seeing the Spirit testify, or another way we could say that, bear witness. And and it's doing that through two different signs, that sign of the baptism and that sign of the crucifixion. Where a lot of times today, we bear witness in which way? Not necessarily so much through signs, but through... Our speech and our actions, right? Testimony. Mm-hmm. So, 
So we're seeing some emphasis here that, that John is placing. If we look back at chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, he says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and see his brother in need yet, closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So we see both those points right there. We see the point of Christ showing his love for us on the cross, but then how that drives us to love and care for one another. And John's pushing it more just through speech, but also through deeds and action. But then in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, he says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So John has clearly made the case that there's, there's a connection between this blood and the crucifixion, or Jesus being the propitiation for our sins. There's a lot of emphasis that, that John has put on that, and I just think it's interesting that he's present for both of those, those occasions. Uh, what are your thoughts on verse 6? Anything else about the Spirit testifying? In the baptism, the Spirit descended like a dove, so they saw physical evidence of the people, like John, saw physical evidence of the Spirit. So, well, it's neat that we see all three. The Father spoke, and the Son there, and then the Spirit spoke. And then the Spirit, right? So we see all three in the Trinity, which, Chris, we talked about that a minute ago. Jesus had to come in flesh so he could be the blood. Otherwise, there would have been blood. And then God also spoke that day of the baptism. Yeah. He said this. Did he say that? Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. I was reading. Oh, I was like, yeah. So he, he specifically said that to those that were present. Yeah. So. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So again, just one showing the, the deity of Christ, right? But two, also putting that qualifier in there because there's lots of people, I mean, you had the whole nation of Israel at that time who clearly accepted Yahweh as Yahweh, right? But rejected Christ as God. So clearly we see, and, and John has said that over and over again, that faith in Christ. Uh, verse 7 well, we don't really have time to go into verse 7. Also, whenever I hear the water also, that makes me jump back to one dwell on. He's like, I'll give you living water. Mm -hmm. and, and he is the living water. Mm -hmm. And then it makes me think of when Moses smoked the rock and water flowed out. That's the same representation that Christ was smoked and water poured from the side. So many pieces that come together. Yeah. All the way from the beginning, all the way. We can pull all of these connecting verses together, and it's like we almost have one overarching story, right? Creation, fall, 
Redemption, restoration. All right, let's let me go ahead and uh, stop this.